Hello, welcome to Tip Manor Podcast. Straight into the intros. You've got me, I'm James, we've got Ben. Hi, Ben. Hi, James, how are you? I'm all right, mate. You haven't been very well, but you're, you're back. You've just eaten a pizza, so I'm assuming the body is recovered. Yeah, full of beans, full of all that healthy goodness. Excellent. We've uh, got pizza. It's uh, controversial. <laughs> we've got John as well. Hi, John. Hi, James. <laughs> let's let's get on to this beans on a pizza chat. I mean... Did Ben actually just say, I thought that was a bit of banter? You're not actually having beans on a pizza. No, I said plenty of beans as in energy beans, full of beans, <laughs> not beans on I've a missed, pizza. I think I've missed... Uh, oh, right. yeah. I thought you were experimenting. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> and uh, that other beautiful voice is the voice of Tony Fallows. Tony, hi. Welcome back to the pod. Hello. Is this your, your third appearance? Yep. My third appearance. Exciting. Are you excited? Really excited. Yep. Okay. Can you hear it? <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> uh, news stuff. Um, it's probably worth talking about Joel Cooper a little bit. Um, so obviously the news kind of broke out that he's having some um, difficult times with his kind of personal life. So he's going back uh, to to Northern Ireland to be to be with his family. Obviously, they didn't disclose the specific details, but I think he's got young a young family, um, and he was finding the move hard in general. Um, but I guess. John, that explains a little bit, perhaps, as to why he wasn't getting as many opportunities as we thought he might, because, you know, we've definitely said on previous pods, we didn't quite understand why he wasn't necessarily getting those chances or whether KR had a vendetta about people from Northern Ireland in general. Yeah, I mean, all the signs of when he played had all been positive, and I think we were all keen to see more. But again, this is a nice one where the club's clearly showing player welfare is is second to, to nothing else. So sounds like we've done the right thing and um, he'll get some more game time playing over there. He's going to be playing by the sounds of it as well as taking care of whatever the issue is. So yeah, just all the best to him really. Is that, has he got a club lined up? Yeah, he's going on, supposedly going on loan to a Northern Ireland club. So, you know, it kind of be back to where he was at Linfield, I think it was. Not oh, okay. back to Linfield, but we'll find out. Tony, do you reckon he'll pull on locks for shirt again if you had to predict? Um, I hope so. From what we've seen of him, he looks useful, doesn't he? So it, I guess it's good to have an explanation for why he's not been um, as involved because I know most fans have probably been saying he should have been more involved. So, um, But yeah, it's, it's hard to say without knowing the details of exactly what it is that's brought him back. But I mean, I hope that if he does, that you know he thinks that you know the club supported him through this period. So yeah. ho- hopefully he'll feel like he owes us a little bit. Yeah. Um, five minute fans forum took place. Who was on it? It was KR and wasn't it a double? It's double Mac. trouble. Mr. Mac. Teacher. Tony, we've never talked about Mr. Mac together, have we? But he was obviously a teacher in our school, and I've yeah. I've brought this up. But do you have a Mr. Mac story from the Charwell days? Um, not really. He never. So he was a PE teacher, wasn't he, Mr. Mac? But I never. I don't think I had him for for PE was he a PE teacher he he was like a fill-in he used to just yeah, rock up he was one of those teachers that would roll out the the old massive tv because he had nothing else to say yeah no I, <laughs> you'd, I you'd want to have him yeah I don't I don't <laughs> think I um had him for any lessons but yeah I, I think maybe my brother did he was in a year a couple of years below but yeah no. that could be your homework from the pod go and find, right, out I'll find out and then I'll, I'll tell yeah. you I'll tell you next time I'm on yeah excellent uh, I've completely lost what we're talking about. <laughs> oh yeah, the fans were. Oh yeah. yeah um, what were the key things, John? I think you you took a few notes. There was there was a mention around January. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. Mr. Mac talked about the sort of the trial that's just happened on Saturday, and the, the main thing from KR was that you know he was he wasn't sort of overly specific, but he talked about how a handful of players will need to make their way out in January to make space for incomings, which. You know, to me, his initial reaction seemed quite knee-jerk. He seems to be implying quite a few would be heading out. And there's obviously many weeks to go till the window. Well, many weeks, but at least a, a month at least before the, the window opens. So makes you think, who exactly do we think will head out? There's probably some obvious candidates. But yeah, I thought it was worthy of who do, who do we think will hand that, head out in January. Ben, who do you think will head out in January? I think Hanson's got to be one of them. He's just... 
it's just too much stop start. I know his, his injuries aren't necessarily his fault, but I think there are there aren't many really obvious candidates. I don't think so. I think he, he's got to be on the list and potentially one of the one of the strikers. Ossie. Away, he's already not. He's not included at the moment, is he? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's not a good sign. And I mean, it's not his fault either. To be fair, he he did nothing wrong to not get included. But I guess if if he's desperate to bring in players, he's got to be fairly cutthroat about it. I think Robbie Hall's got to be one of them as well. If he's talking about a handful that have to go out, thing is with Hansen is, if my understanding of the salary cap is correct, we're going to need to find somebody who wants to pay his wages and take him out of our squad. I think back in pre pre salary cap, we might have thought. Well, we should we can loan him out and get him out of there, and then he can play somewhere else and be in the in the shop in the shop window, so to speak. But we'll still need to free up wages for it, or we might still have some in the cap as we did before. So it's yeah. not an easy one shifting Hanson, is it? Or even Rob Hall to a degree. It's like we talked the other day about Sykes potentially leaving in January, yeah, um, and being nervous that you know you'd suddenly see him on the assists and scorers charts like every weekend in a, another League One side, I don't think I'd have the same fear for Hansen. Um, albeit he's not in the same type of a attacking position. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't, it's hard, isn't it? I can't really pinpoint anyone. So good luck with that. <laughs> um, yeah, we've only, we've only got one space or, or something like that. So it's, yeah, the design, it, you seem to be hinting there was going to be a bit of a surprise of who goes out. I think mm. given the performance on Saturday, you start to think, well, how many do we need in? It's it's an interesting one. Yeah. Um yeah, and then I think um I think the names you've mentioned, Hall and Hansen, they they gotta to be top top of the list, haven't they? I think if you'd gone back a few weeks ago, you'd have probably said uh maybe uh cancel McGuane and Kelly's uh loans, but actually definitely not McGuane based on recent form and, and possibly even not not Kelly sort of playing himself into the team, isn't he? It's interesting. I was I was going to say McGuane because I remember hearing people um, getting in touch with Radio Oxford saying the same thing that like he cut it. You know, he was good in preseason, and then he's just absolutely um, not doesn't seem up to it when it comes to the league football. But yeah, he's he's turned it around, which I guess we'll get onto. Um, a bit of other news, John. You, you had some notes in and around the bailout from the Premier League. Yeah, it's finally come through when we're how many nine months into a, a pandemic? Um, fifty million pounds all grant, but split into stages. So Premier League are going to give fifty million up front to League One and League Two clubs, which means we'll get a minimum payment of at least three hundred seventy-five thousand. They'll then distribute another fifteen million based on lost gate receipts. So obviously the bigger clubs will get a higher percentage of that, which is you know you can. Toss that around, but probably fair enough. I mean, this, the, the frustration is for me that it's taken this long for us to get a bailout sorted. Everyone seems to have been quite calm about it for the last few weeks, club-wise, as in it's on its way. But how has it taken this long in our football family for everyone to kind of get together and make this happen um, and haggle over grants versus loans and, and the like? The other, the other interesting thing to the bailout is there's another 20 million that is additional if clubs need it that they have to apply for and then the EFL and the Premier League make a decision on that. And I've, I've only seen it from one source, which was the in Sports Mail, that if a club does apply for an additional grant, it basically has really strict limitations put on it. So you're, you're, you're not allowed to pay a fee for players for the next transfer window and you have caps on the fees that you can pay. So in our league, it'd be 20000 for a player. Now, I know we live in an undisclosed transfer fee world <laughs> where we never know what signings really are, but it's quite potentially very restrictive. And I, I don't think we, we've got this issue financially. Tiger seems to be quite secure about it, but there is potentially a bit of a straitjacket going on some of the smaller clubs if they feel the need to tap into this additional money. And who knows whether 375000 is actually enough. It, it might not be, you know, it might not even scrape the surface. So... It's it's here and it's welcome, but for me, it's sort of a a bit of a shocker that it's taken this long to come to come fruition. We we just don't get that much. We probably get an update from the finance guy. I want to say Tim. Yeah, the Tim, Oxford, Tim Davis. I'm, that might be a completely made up name. 
But yeah, anyway. no, I think right. But we hear something about that maybe from Tim every six months or so. And so it's actually, this was obviously a big thing when it came, you know, probably like four to six months ago or something. And then I guess we haven't heard much on it, but it'd be interesting to hear how, you know, what position we're actually in and how we'd be utilizing the funds type thing, I guess. Um, I just imagine a lot of clubs will have to have made cutbacks, made decisions. I know the furlough scheme has been around, but you just don't get the sense this is really going to sort of give a lot of clubs long-term stability. It's it's still a bit of a patchwork, but it you know at least it's grant to League One and League Two, so it's not free money, so to speak. But it's it doesn't come with strings. Yeah. The Championship have got only loan support, and that doesn't necessarily make your position any better. It'd be funny if you had a load of actually disclosed transfers for £375,000 suddenly <laughs> appear exactly. out of the woodwork. <laughs> There'll be some interesting dynamics in the transfer window, definitely. Yeah. Uh, right, on to Hull. So first meeting between the clubs for nearly 17 years. Jack talked about that horrible 4-2 defeat promotion battle in League 2 last on the last pod. Um, obviously, they they came into the game top of the league. They'd won their last four since losing to the scum down the road. Um, they had a 3-0 win away at Ipswich during that run as well, which looked really impressive until we played Ipswich and they were a crock of crap. Um, but yeah, they came into the game having scored the most goals, 26, um, the same same amount as Pompey, which was 11 more than us, which I thought was significant given the amount of games that we played. And um, only one team in the league had a better defensive record. Does anyone know who that is? Lincoln. Without looking at them. <laughs> oh, shit. I put it in. I put it in the notes. Yeah. That's sad. <laughs> I was meant to leave that as a teaser. <laughs> um, They've had eight, yeah, they'd also had eight clean sheets in 14 games, which is something. I'd be happy if we get eight clean sheets over the whole season at this rate. So there you go. Um, only team in the league gets to draw a game going into the game. I wonder what happened. Anyway, <laughs> all of that, all of the above tells you that it wasn't going to be an easy game. Um, but yeah, before we get into the lineup, Tony, obviously you went to the game. So what was it what was the match day experience like at least to the point where like the game started were you following rosie's beautiful guidance did you watch his youtube video i i did watch his video i thought it was very good um <laughs> yeah his, his uh questionable uh loutish antics sat in his seat being told <laughs> by the, the steward was quite quite funny i thought uh but yeah no it was uh it was a bit weird as you can probably imagine i mean the, the atmosphere in the stadium as well at first it sort of takes a bit of getting used to because you're playing a competitive match but with only a thousand people there it sort of feels more like a, a friendly in terms of the atmosphere but but it's just good to be back yeah what what stand were you in i was in the south stand lower so my season ticket's south stand lower so i tried to get as close to that as possible but that i mean that was an interesting aspect as well because obviously like um everyone was spread out so they'd open the north stand east stand and, and south stand um and you could so when when you got onto the ticket booking system you weren't restricted to just the stand that your season tickets in you could book anywhere um mm. so you i guess you probably had people sort of dispersed whereas maybe you'd normally have you know people in the in the ox mail stand or jim smith stand whatever you want to call it um they're the singers and they're they're congregate together but um yeah you had like pockets of it so i, I was doing my bit in the south stand lower trying to be a bit rowdy you know that's where it's rowdiest, isn't it? South Stand Lower. Oh, yeah. When when they run out of pies, yeah, everyone gets really angry, yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you what, though. It was amazing. It, it really genuinely brought a smile to my face. And you could hear, like, Jerome's reaction on the radio. When even the players came out to a bit of applause, it just made such a difference, like, to my own kind of mental health, I think, <laughs> just to hear the sound of fans like beckoning back from from the radio. But I don't know, Ben. It's 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 great, isn't it? Just even to have. I think Jerome kept saying the first thousand is the most significant. You know, you're going to iterate on it from here. But it was amazing to just have the fans back. It made the whole kind of spectacle that that bit more enticing, I guess. Yeah, it's just that slight step towards normality again. 
I know we're a long way off it in the rest of day-to-day life, but we've got fans back at football. We're nearly there, and it's it made such a difference to watching the game. It, it so much better than the crowd noise. You know, you had yeah. real reactions, and not, there's a thousand people in there, but there could easily have been four or five thousand with the noise that they made. I think it's great. Yeah, Tony, did you did you did you bring in any of your own food or a nice yeah. nice drink? I I followed Rosie's example on the on the video. Bought bought a meal deal with me. <laughs> smoothie in his video so I, that inspired me so i got a and i bought a flask of tea as well because i thought it was pretty cold and also um you know the rules being that you can you can take your mask off if if you're having something to eat or drink so i thought well you know i'll be a good good citizen i'll wear my mask but um if i've got a drink then it sort of gives you gives you a little excuse to take off for a few seconds doesn't it because it's a bit much wearing it for the for like hours on end but yeah 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 I really, um, I really liked um, James Henry's comment after the game where he was asked about the fans and he was obviously saying it was great to have them back. And then he says, the thing is like, you know, a little clap here and there after you do something good really gees you on. And he'd kind of forgotten about that. And like, it really struck with me because like you would, if someone does clap you and you do something well, you really respond to it. And he wasn't trying to make out that like the pure adrenaline was like flowing through his veins where the whole crowd roars when he has a shot, because obviously that wasn't going to be the case with a thousand people there spread out and all that. It was just where he was like, yeah, nice one, James, a little clap. <laughs> he was like, yeah, I loved it. That's, you make him sound a little bit like a dog. Like, good <laughs> he, he did sound, he did say it in his kind of languid James Henry don't really care that much style. So maybe, maybe there's a yeah, bit of a, yeah. a mix in there somewhere. Final thing before I forget to ask Tony, like, how was the atmosphere in terms of like singing and stuff? Because it's awkward enough trying to start a chant sometimes. But if someone, <laughs> I was thinking of like the most awkward historical kind of Oxford chants that would be really extra uncomfortable to start in that environment where you're all segregated. Someone just stood, remember the Matty Green song, for example, which is completely <laughs> inappropriate. If someone just like stood up and started busting that out. Like, yeah. I can't so, giggling to myself. Try and do the um for, for the second half when their goalie uh, was obviously at, at our end. Um, someone around me did try and do the the, the, old the shit. shit, yeah, but they were doing it on their own, and it doesn't quite have the same. <laughs> uh, I'd say, yeah, but it was, it was a bit weird. I mean, like I said, this, you sort of had the people, like the the singers. I guess the people we would tend to sing were sort of like more dotted around the grounds um but you i think that there was a general feeling amongst everyone who was there that like we were the lucky ones to be there and also yeah. we had a bit of a responsibility to try and yeah. generate an atmosphere so it felt like everyone who was there was trying to join in a bit and even if they were people weren't singing you know they were clapping along and stuff but i was trying i was trying to think about um what i'd compare it to and it's a strange comparison maybe but it's maybe similar to you know, when we played at Wembley, um, in as much as that it's difficult to get the the chant going around the stadium because there's no one area where it's coming from. It's all it's all yeah, yeah. I thought the fans did all right, you know. I don't know if you could hear it when you were watching or listening, but it felt good in the stadium anyway. I think I heard a couple of come on you yellows from corners. Yeah. They came through. All right. So Yeah. I mean the, right. the one thing you didn't get, I suppose, was you know that sort of like low from of um, like murmuring that you get when there's a few thousand people in the stadium. Um, like you didn't get that. So when the action died off, it did literally die off into to almost silence, which was a bit bizarre. Um, but then you could hear like some of the shouting going on as well, which is quite interesting. So you hear what Robin Robinson was saying and stuff. Yeah, that's true. Actually, yeah. Do you think people also felt responsibility to be? positive albeit that if you were going to voice rage robinson's probably if especially if you're in the south stand lower robinson's just turned around and been like you what mate probably yeah he could probably single you out um i'd say yes but then it's uh it's probably <laughs> it's an easy yeah. thing to say yes to because we didn't have to deal with much negativity if we'd yeah, gone true yeah food nil down or whatever i think it would have been interesting um so i saw some people you know, talking about the Charlton match and obviously Lee Bowyer was complaining about their fans and and I saw a few Oxford fans, you know, having a bit of a chuckle at that, but I thought I could see that happening with us with the way it's going recently. If we start losing this badly, yeah. what what are the fans going to do? And like you said, 
if people started shouting, then I'm sure the players would have heard it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, onto the team then, John. Was there anything you would have you'd have changed up? It was quite. We, it was kind of a team that you could have probably predicted based on recent games. Was there any any tweaks you might have made if it, if it was down to you? No, not not at all. Um, I think the balance of the midfield three was pretty good last game. So you've got to you've got to give that a chance. So no, n- nothing really. I thought you might have been drool. You know, your Anthony Ford drooling drool fest. I well, I mean that that, to... that that is a criminal act that still continues week by week. But you know, Kelly, <laughs> Kelly, Kelly. I think we need to give Kelly, you know, an extended run in the team to sort of see if. I mean, he. He's sort of showing good spurts, but um, yeah, the fourth thing is weird, but I, I wouldn't have changed the team. The reason why I find the fourth thing more weird is because he's actually our player. So then we put more of a dependency on players that are on loan, but I guess it's season-long loans, isn't it? So maybe it's less less of a thing, but who knows? Um, the match actually kicked off, and Tony, I want to get your take on this again, but like, it felt... Like watching, you know, we were all watching the game, but you could hear fans kind of getting involved with our kind of early high press and us putting them under pressure. And a lot of the early play was first 10, 15 minutes. Well, the first 10 minutes, obviously, leading up to our goal was a lot of it was played kind of the left hand side. So probably closest to where you were. Um, we were putting them under all kinds of pressure. Um, yeah. they, they weren't getting any kind of foothold in the game. And then we made it count and it was a great goal, but it just felt like the fans did play a massive part in that. Yeah, I think so. I mean, McGuane and Abita uh, were working really hard down that left side and and working well together. Um, But I think, yeah, there's probably, back to your James Henry point from earlier um, about encouraging the team, there's probably an argument to say that, you know, us as a team and our style of play, we need the fans maybe more than some other teams do because, to play the way that we do, um, you know, it requires a lot of patience sometimes in terms of the passing and yeah. it requires a lot of enthusiasm in terms of the pressing. And that's stuff that the fans can help um, encourage the players with. Whereas, you know, if the fans aren't there, then maybe they press for a bit and they get tired and they haven't got anyone to pick them up or they're passing it around nicely. But, you know, they don't know whether they should be being more um, direct or not, you know, whereas you could see it yesterday when we were controlling the match early on and keeping the ball and the fans were, were enjoying it, that the players seemed to feed off that a little bit. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, I, I think uh, it definitely helps for us. Do you, do you buy that as well, Ben? Like I, I wrote down intensity and desire, which are words that I might not have written down in, in previous matches, but that it definitely yeah. felt the case for, for this game. Yeah, it did, and I think it, it links back to what John was saying, um, quoting James Henry, in that it, you know, you do do that good tackle defensively, or you, you charge down a player, and the crowd give you that, you know, well, well done, and you do it again the second time. Whereas I guess, good if, boy, <laughs> if you, exactly, it's just like a dog and a bone. If you do it in, a, in an empty stadium, I guess it's you, you know you've done the right thing, but it's difficult to judge because you haven't got that immediate feedback. Yeah, so, yeah. so I think I think it, it does help, and and I agree we are probably a team that relies on that that crowd support a little bit more just with the the type of plays we have and the way we play but it, it definitely was noticeable very quickly and um john that goal felt that bit sweeter because obviously the fans were there jmo as they call him seemed to love it he did some rocking little celebration um but we've been talking about that in recent weeks haven't we like his shooting in general has just been has been off. Like I'd like, to, I'd like to see stats around how many shots he's t- he's taken versus how many are on target, and then how many you know he's he's actually scored. But you know that's the James Henry from last season, isn't it? Like edge of the box, really clean strike. I remember you saying, yeah, and that, that's the thing that the cleanness of that strike, and maybe I'm getting carried away with it because he hasn't scored. He scored one other goal, hasn't he? Or maybe you know, and it was sort of that side foot against um, two games back. Oh, I yeah. can't remember who it was against. But the way he hit that was sort of, we haven't seen that all season. And um, yeah, the celebration afterwards was like, you could tell that really meant something to him. And we often speculate whether he cares about football or not in sort of a, you know, not really into it type of football way. 
And um, yeah, you just tell he was <laughs> just went mad with that the little knee hop celebrations. It was it was amazing. <laughs> it was uh, Wigan, wasn't it? Away, he got it, the yeah. second. A bit you could hear uh, in that one as well. You could hear on the um, goal cam him just his reaction to it. I think it was I, a lot of relief about it at the time. Yeah, it felt in when he scored that scored that goal. But for a player that Tony that's had such high standards and is literally carried us through really difficult times almost single-handedly within the last like two three years you know that's probably why he's got that release isn't it because he's he's been that player and yeah he's, he's struggled this season yeah I was gonna say I think it, it's probably as much a release of pressure because yeah he, I think he feels it you know he was obviously uh, been made captain as well um this season so that's extra pressure on him, and he he must know that he's not playing well. Um, and he scored a good goal yesterday, but again, he's still that he's not quite right. He's not controlling matches like he was last season. It's good for him to get the goal, and hopefully that will give him something to build on. But he he does need to to improve, I think. And yeah. actually, I know I know Robinson has, wants to stick with him, and you know he is one of our best players, um, and. Uh, you know, class is permanent, form is temporary, that that old thing. But I think <laughs> it puts a lot of pressure on him for him not to be subbed off at all this season. I don't, he's not been subbed off, I don't think. Uh, or, or maybe in the recent games, he's come off. Um, but up until recently, you hadn't even been taken off, let alone rested. And I think that adds a lot of pressure to him as well. So if we can start to get some squad rotation going on a bit in terms of the subs, you know, maybe bringing Claire on for the last... 20 minutes or whatever, giving Henry a bit of a rest. I think that takes the pressure off him as well. It's, it's interesting, actually, just on that. Like, you'd you'd have thought Sykes... There's been games where Sykes has played on the right wing and Henry's kind of dropped in. Um, but in the, in the build-up to the game, Nathan and Nick and Jerome were talking and they were saying the whole thing with Sykes, one of them is that Sykes wants to play centre mid and he doesn't want to be out there on the wing. And so perhaps Claire is the only um, is the only option that we've actually got on that right wing now because yeah. you know we we don't think he's going to be dropping back anytime I think, soon. I think Sykes is he's played his best games for us out on the wing. It's just the question marks over his end product and his crossing isn't very good. So maybe he looks good, but if he's not actually creating anything, then you know maybe that isn't the right position for him. But he looks like a bit of a liability in central midfield sometimes, in as much as he's not willing to track back yeah. and, and doesn't seem to have that defensive mentality maybe when he when they're saying he wants to play central midfield what they might mean is he wants to play centrally but maybe a bit more of an advanced like attacking midfielder but then we don't always play with that uh role in the team so yeah yeah um tony you sent a message after the first half saying that you felt ruffles was struggling and it was something that was brought up um, on the radio as well, like we were getting quite a lot of grief down our right hand side. Um, luckily, no- nothing really came of any of it. But he improved second half, didn't he? Ruffs, like he seemed to have much much better second half. Yeah, um, I mean, he was obviously right in front of me um, for the first half, and then obviously over the other side for second. But Wilkes had him on toast, you know, in that first half, and it we did well not to concede from it really because he skinned him about three or four times. But Atkinson did well to sort of cover in for him. Um, on a couple of occasions, and then yeah, second half uh, seemed to go better for him. But I'm I'm surprised that um, that Hull didn't attack us more down that flank in in the second half and try and exploit that because it didn't it didn't seem like that they they'd aimed to attack Ruffles in the second half as much. Um, but yeah, he's he's not again. He's another one who's he's been consistent for us in previous seasons, but this year he's really struggling. Ruffles, unfortunately. Yeah, we on the last pod controversially we were talking about Long and Ruffles collectively and saying would any other League One side top t- let's say top half League One side go after either of those two and then it's an in- interesting kind of measure for us to kind of consider what you know what our options are but when the rest of the side is firing they kind of blend in and they can be effective in the, in those roles but when when it's not then they really they can potentially stand out that's that's the kind of thing um yeah i think i think ruffles is um you know previously he's been mr reliable i think he'll give you that that seven out of ten what you're looking for him is that defensive solidity which is why it's a worry 
to see him getting done by a winger so easily yesterday because if he hasn't got that then you do start to question what he has got long i think is a bit different um i think long is still improving whereas it feels like ruffles are sort of peaked uh, i mean yesterday long was was exceptional i thought and you know aside from being effective he, he was also putting his body on line you know he obviously got that uh bang on the head and carried on throwing himself into you know risky yeah. uh challenges so f- for me long is uh on on form this season anyway is the better of those two players and actually he seems to improve in week on week so i wouldn't i wouldn't write long off um at the moment and if he keeps getting better then there's no reason why you could say you know top teams wouldn't be after him well hull took their <laughs> took their left winger off at half time I, I don't believe he was injured and brought another young player on who was really up and coming lewis potter but a beta Dropped back in the second half as well, which seemed to help. But, you know, I think it was about to talk about Ibita was just had a really, really good game, I thought, all the way through. I was going to ask you that, like standout performances, John. Ibita was one. Was there anyone else that... I think I thought Ibita had. He had real presence on the pitch. It was really sort of noticeable. I thought McGuane was was really, really good for 60, 65 minutes. I think his, his physicality was the thing that stood out for me as well but he did look really kind of fleet of foot and sort of progressive and that that position for me is the best one for him where he's not perhaps having to worry about sort of what's behind him he can kind of let Kelly and Gorin drop a bit deeper and he can push on I think he was he was very impressive um and Matty Taylor was really good actually I think it was one of his best not best but better performances and he didn't see he seemed to be getting on the ball a lot more than he has done in previous games, which actually first 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 half, yeah. Matty Taylor absolutely was involved in the play. It yeah. seemed very much in the game. Second half, there seems to be a theme when the team tires. Exactly. And right. I actually think a lot of it stems through McGuane because I don't think McGuane has currently got more than 60, 65 minutes in him. Doesn't um, seem to be yeah. He was again, he was fantastic, like leading to that point. And then we stop kind of playing I think it's actually it's interesting because obviously we're playing the team that's top of the league. And I think it's reasonable that obviously we're going to start being like, right, we've got a 1-0 lead to protect. Let's perhaps drop back a little bit. But we went back to the whole punting it towards Taylor thing and then it wasn't sticking. Um, and yeah, that that I think it's hard though to like use that game against given the opposition to to look too much into it. But... Ben, when it comes to anyone else, like, do you think Kelly did enough? Was he the the lead? I, I, I guess Gorin and McGuane kind of stood out good performances. Kelly seems to tick by, but I don't, I don't know. Maybe that's fine and that helps with the balance of the side. I don't know what you think. Yeah, I think in a game like that where McGuane is dominating midfield and Gorin's doing his normal great job, he kind of doesn't need to have a brilliant game. He just needs to do his job and support those other two. Um I think he just had he had an okay game. There's some moments where he thought actually, yeah, you know, he's, he's he can really take control of this midfield, and then others where he just lost the ball or took too long on it or didn't make the right pass, and you, you start to get a bit frustrated with him. But we say people like Ford on the bench who could play, and and other people like Sykes. I don't think I don't think there's any problem with giving him a good run in the team at the moment with Kelly. We saw at the end of last season when he's on on top of his game, he really can make a difference to our team to that creative flair in the middle. Um, I think the only other thing is, I know he had a few iffy moments uh, with the ball in the box, did Stevens, but his distribution, that one came to mind where straight away he was up at the edge of the box and booted it forward. And we on the right, yeah. On the attack, right up in the middle of their half. I think that's that's a really useful asset to have that perhaps Eastwood doesn't. I, I was going to ask about Stevens because I thought it, his distribution was definitely hit and miss like i was really impressed with that kind of you know like he had the kind of thought process to to get the ball out quickly to spot something where we where he can make a difference but then there was a lot of kind of kicks with no pressure where the ball just went out and you were just giving possession back at that point and i I actually obviously had a he had a pretty good game um made a couple of decent saves came and collected the ball pretty well but i thought his distribution was was interesting but after that i was really excited i remember being like, oh my god is this what we get from jack stevens eastwood never did this this is amazing but then as the game went on 
there are a few more um, mishaps. Rosie, for one, on the commentary, who never digs anyone out, was saying, come on, Jack, sort, sort it out. <laughs> and it, it seemed to be a, um, a tactic where we were, where he was kicking it deliberately out to the right wing and then Long was challenging for the ball and trying to nod it on because we did that throughout the whole game. But a few times, yeah, he didn't quite get it right and it went out of play. Um, but it definitely seemed to be um, a tactic because it was almost every goal kick was going right out to that right touchline. Yeah, maybe that's right then. And that was the that was kind of the root cause is that there's a fine line between hitting the touchline and it going out. He, he did have one moment as well in the first half where he had the ball at his feet um, and he like dinked it out to the left wing on his left foot as well, which I think is his weak, weaker foot, but it was a really good pass. Um, and I, again, not sure if Eastwood's got that in his locker either. Um, so if he, I think, I think better that we've got someone who is capable of that kind of distribution because he can, you know, he can eradicate the mistakes. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and then we can be left with the good stuff, hopefully. Um, wrapping up the first half, John, I felt that we were, it was either like a very even game, but one nil seems like a fair a fair scoreline. I thought we we were the better team. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Hull was so passive. It was really weird considering they were top of the league. I mean, Grant McCann, after the game, slightly jumping ahead, he talked about, you know, Oxford were dominant for tw- 35 minutes or 25 minutes, and then we were dominant for the rest of the game, which I don't think I agree they were dominant. But at times I was wondering, are they just sort of taking absorbing the pressure from us and knowing that they'll get their opportunities because they're a top team. So they played nice football at times, but I think it, it does us a disservice because I thought we played particularly well. And um, but Hull looked quality. I mean, they, they, they still had that aura about them and maybe that's just the top of the league thing. Yeah, they're, they're transitions, as people like to say. And that it was like it first half as well, but they seem to be able to like spin from defence to be having like five, six players bearing down on our goal in no time. Um, so yeah, it was, it was pretty terrifying to watch, but generally we did pretty well to limit them and they were cutting in and blasting shots wide and whatever else, but it got to the second half and rather than them having to kind of work the ball um, through the lines to like get in behind us and whatever, it, it became more a case of um, them just constantly winning set pieces like the amount of corners and free kicks they seem to have i actually felt and i remember saying this at the time we've dealt with all of this far too well like it felt weirdly comfortable like how we were managing to get every single you know clearance out of the box but then yeah you know truth be told um the odds are going to stack up against you and at some point they're going to get something in but it was a great finish wasn't it ben there wasn't you know no too many arguments about it no, I mean, you can't put anybody at fault for that. Sometimes you've just got to say it's a good goal. You know, he dropped him on the outside of the box. Just absolutely caught it sweet as a nut. Yeah. Right, in, I, right into the corner as well, so the keeper didn't have a chance to save in that. Um, yeah, I guess it's just, it was just the number of set pieces in the end. We defended them all well, but at that stage of the second half, you, you thought it was starting to come, and you can't just keep getting away with it by defending well, because one of the balls is just not going to bounce to you. And that was the case with that goal. Did it feel, Tony, like we were starting to sit back? Because we, we said after it hit, like, I think they scored on, like, 68, like, just before the 70th minute. From, like, 60 minutes, I remember saying to these guys watching it, like, this second half is going so slowly. Um, and But it, it did feel like we, you could, we went quieter. We weren't talking as much to each other, which can only mean one thing, that nerves are going up and pressure's there. But did it feel like that in the in the ground or was it yeah you could sense that they were they were on top but i don't think it's a case of us sitting back i think you know they're top of the league and they were they were pushing us hard i mean they bought um uh tom tom eaves is it off the bench who's yeah. big big bloke up front and that that unsettled our back line i thought you know he was a big presence in in our box um and you know just highlights um you know what what uh what wealth of um, ability they've got to choose from at that club if that, a bloke like that is sat on the bench because I mean I think he scored about 20 odd goals for Gillingham when he was last in this league but yeah um, yeah um, it wasn't us sitting back it was them pushing us back but um, the, the free kick thing you know 
I know that the Hull were moaning about the referee a little bit and there, there was a moment where, um, you know, the ref pulled them back when they were going through on goal, which yeah, I'm sure is very annoying if you're a Hull fan. <laughs> it was um, unbelievable. Um, overall, I thought second half, the ref was massively for them. You know, he was giving, all, giving them all sorts of soft fouls. The one that they scored the free kick from, um, I think it was Honeyman, uh, their midfielder, who knocked the ball on, knocked it back to, to one of our players, so completely giving away possession. And then took a dive when one of our players, you know, came through onto him, and that's what they got the free kick for. But for me, that was never uh, a free kick. And then if you if you have a look at the ball coming into the box, I, th- I think it might be Wilkes on um, Atkinson. He gives him like a little pull, and Atkinson goes down, and they, he would have been there to clear the ball with a header. Um, so I think we've got some uh, some right to feel a bit aggrieved as well. Um, the ref was giving him a lot of soft fouls, I thought, which didn't help. Wow. I, I felt it was interesting looking at the the whole fans' reactions afterwards, but that was the the basis of their argument was that the ref made it impossible for them to win the game. Um, loads and loads of comments about the ref, and also just a, a load of comments about how they deserve the win, which I really I don't. don't I, I, the scheme yeah. in ninety minutes, I think that is not it's not right. But yeah, I mean, apart from the top of the league. Sorry, I was going to say, agree with that point as well. But I think it's a bit of top of the league arrogance as well, a kind of an expectation that you should have win every game and you kind of look for these kind of things because I didn't, apart from the ridiculous one where he should have pulled it back and when they were clean through, not pulled it back, should have let play on, sorry. It was, um, yeah, he wasn't that bad in the grand scheme of things. Much worse. Not for them, no. Do you think um, we talked a bit before about Matty Taylor having a good game. And like, like like I was saying, I think he did for the first 60, 65 minutes. Same with McGuane. Like, Ben, do you reckon like Dan Adji could have come on a little bit earlier to provide a little bit more hustle and bustle running along the back line and holding the ball up that little bit, you know, given the, the, the amount of space that suddenly starts to kind of edge in between the midfield and, and him was getting bigger and bigger. Like, I felt there was an opportunity. He came on and like the... 85th minute or something like late on so do you reckon that might have been an option yeah I mean 85th minute it's, it's too late really in a game to start getting a big influence on it you need to give them 10-15 minutes uh, at least it was I think it was clear that Taylor was seeing a lot less of the ball similar to how he's been in a lot of recent games and yeah something different just to try it like you said it's Adi offers a lot more of a sort of quick feet and better take players on as well as holding the ball up it's easy in hindsight, but I mean, you look yeah. at thinking you could have brought him on a bit earlier. Okay, I, I started the- to think, like, does KR, on the back of being absolutely smashed by people like us and other fans <laughs> after the subs at Swindon, um, I just wonder if then he's he might overthink things, but I, I think he's probably above that, to be fair. Sorry, John, I cut you off. No, I was to say, on the subs, I thought the more important ones were the ones around... 75 minutes because to me it felt like we needed to do something to disrupt the flow of the game after they'd scored because it felt like it would have started to creep towards them potentially winning more than us getting back into it and so Messino and Claire you can argue about whether they were the right players but that's that definitely stalled the game and after about 80 80 minutes 83 84 I was like thinking actually this is going to be a draw whereas minutes before I've been thinking actually yeah we, we might be heading towards a problem here so i think yeah i agree that you know Adji is a different option given taylor had had nothing all game a bit earlier might have been an idea but for me the more important thing which i think we did well was just take the sting out and you know one all against hull was a great result i i put i took a note on that exact point because i was thinking yeah this we're probably going to lose this most likely outcome at the point of them scoring when they had the momentum but um it did feel like we managed to get a grasp back on the game, which is impressive in itself, given what happened the week before. Um, yeah. Tony, how did you uh, did you give Sean Clara an elbow as he walked walked past you on the right hand side? You, were, yeah, you weren't very complimentary about the chap last time. I I gave him a big cheer when he came on. I wanted him to do well. Um, Good, but uh, yeah, he he seemed to struggle to get in the game a little bit. He had he had one moment where he had the ball at his feet in central midfield and he had quite a lot of space in front of him and he uh, I think he played it sideways or something and Robinson 
back to the point earlier about you know being able to hear what people are saying on the pitch. Robinson absolutely bawled him out and basically said, "Why don't you effing run with the ball?" Um, and that's exactly what he should have done. He should have drove at the defence, but he didn't seem to have that confidence. So, yeah, no, I, I want I want Claire to do well. Um, you know, he plays for Oxford United, so until he doesn't play for Oxford, I will be supporting. <laughs> but he, he, um... Could you bring a? You should bring a little mic to the game so you can get snippets of Kr laying into the players, and we'll get some cutting edge footage yeah. on the pod. Yeah, well, I, I imagine it will get harder now that we're getting more fans in, won't it? But yeah, um, yeah. it quite it was quite interesting. But yeah, I think you know Claire's Robinson seems to accept that he's not right back, which is obviously the right conclusion. He's now got to work out where he does fit into the team. I think he looks like he probably could be a decent right winger. Um, but it, I feel like his confidence has taken a bit of a battering. Um, so he's going to need to be built back up again. But there's definitely I, a good player. Yeah, I still think he's got that dynamic quality that not many players in our squad seem to have. And you could say that I still wouldn't be surprised if he starts a right back in the Tim Pot Surprise Trophy on Tuesday. I think, I think that might be a, a reasonable shout. I think I think I'd hope that he's realised he's not a right back, and we we get him some form in a in his proper position. I think it's because Shodders and Hole are going to start with um, Aji up top. So I think if Claire and Claire needs minutes, so where's he? Where else is he going to play? Like, I wouldn't be surprised just to get him match fit again after a, a yeah. few games out. Mm. Um, Gorin on four yellows. Um, needs to avoid another booking, so he'll be banned after the next game. Um, it was a great tackle answer. for his for his booking, though. Proper airborne, <laughs> loved it. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> it was <laughs> ace. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. Loved it. He took off. He should have been sent off, in my opinion, as well. No. They? They, they were they were kind of they'd gone through the point where they were midway into our half. And the guy, had, he was completely the wrong side and brought the guy down. It's it an absolute stonewall yellow and he didn't get sent off. I think one of their players looked, oh, I think it was Honeyman, nearly cried. <laughs> <laughs> he looked devastated that he didn't get sent off. I kind of empathised a little bit with him. Um, okay, Cole. But ge- generally, it was weird going into the relegation zone and being happy. It doesn't happen very often, does it? But we fell in and um, I think what's interesting is we've we've played, you know, I mentioned at the top of this that Pompey and Hull have scored the most goals in the division. We've drawn with both of them within the last few games. Um, you know, we they haven't caused us an, an alarming amount of problems. And what my general take on it was that we're, we've demonstrated that we can mix it with the very best in the league. Um, and it's just about what you do around the edges of that and that's yeah. obviously that's the main concern it is it is quite weird because I, I think you you can't really say we've played badly on many occasions this season i think swindon obviously second half was an absolute disgrace and then the crew match was a shocker but apart from that i can't think of many times where i got to the end of the night minutes before oxford have been really crap today there's been yeah. obviously times where we've lost and and you've thought well you know we we've dominated the game at times and how we lost that um, and I think Robinson tried to make that point after the game yesterday, you know, saying a lot of people were, were saying that we played well. Well, actually, you know, we, we played like that quite a few times this season. Maybe we've lost games where we played similarly, but yesterday with the fans there, you know, it was enough to get us a point. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Look at Looking at the rest of League One, um, I've noticed... Swindon have after have conceded six goals in two games since beating us. Um, they lost it, didn't they? Lose on Tuesday four two after being ahead. I forget who it was two though now. Crew, I think. I think it was Crew, yeah. yeah. And then they lost two 0 to Gillingham in the early kickoff on on Saturday. I noticed Accrington are just absolutely smashing it, like unbeaten in in a few with many games in hand, like up to three games in hand of the teams above us. John, I, I don't think we saw that coming, did we? Like after we played them. No, I was like, we're playing a League Two team here. I don't understand where it's come from. But, you know, if you look at Portsmouth have beaten Peterborough, it just seems like another set of results where things that, and the form's just not a thing anymore. Like Wigan beating Sunderland away, 
Where's that come from? Yeah. You know, Shrewsbury drawing against Charlton, admittedly, Shrewsbury equalised in the 95th minute, but that's not on form. Um, it's just an absolute, you know, if you were a gambler, you you wouldn't bother <laughs> with this season because nothing is going to fall. No. What was the other one that stood out to me? It was it was Gillingham themselves, like their form. Um, they've won four of their last five. It might actually be even better than that. And they drew the other. Um, you know, horrible Steve Evans sides, but yeah, it just shows teams are. It looks really difficult to put a run of a run of games together with some positive results, but teams are managing to do it. And hopefully, when we get onto looking at the fixtures we've got coming up, then hopefully our time is coming. But ten, you know, a positive spin on our recent results, albeit we've only won. You know, that Wigan game was our our only win in the last five games. We've only actually lost the one to Swindon which we absolutely shouldn't have lost. The rest have all been draws. So, If you take that out, there's, there's genuine progression in the team performances and definite stabilisation. Yeah. But, you know, we, we are at that stage where it gets down to we need to start winning the games that we should do, um, which we'll talk about in a minute. Yeah. Um, Sunderland also appointed Lee Johnson. I'm guessing he was in the stand watching his team lose to Wigan. So that must have been great he, he for him. He wasn't in the stand. He was managing, which was very strange. So they, they appointed him on, at midday and then he was out there managing him at three o'clock. So you would have thought he would have been in the stands because that's the normal thing to do. But no, he was out there. Were there any Johnson out banners outside the stadium of light, <laughs> do you reckon? No, in the Sunderland fans, probably. I can't believe they sat Parkinson. That seems like, from the outside looking, yeah. it seems like a crazy decision. Sense. Yeah, at this level, like he's the right type of manager. I, I, I always think with Sunderland, like they're one of those clubs where I would have thought the fans not being there would have helped them because they've still got the budget. They've still got that, you know, I don't know. They've still got the players to be able to pull on, you know, pull results out, but it's just but not then if you look, If you look at their place in the table, I mean, they're only, before the matches the other day, there was only about three or four points off the top of the league or something. Yeah. Well, they haven't won in five games now. They've okay, lost two, still. drawn three. So they're just on a You're not going to win every game, I think. You know, we... We experience this going down to the conference. I think when you when you get below you what what your fans deem to be your natural level, you got to learn a bit of humility. Otherwise, you're yeah, never going to bounce yeah, back, yeah. and they clearly still haven't learned that. Yeah, until they've lost to Gray's Athletic, they'll never know. <laughs> um, Tunbridge Angels. Did we ever actually lose to Gray's? I don't know if we did. Maybe that's like a bad example. We probably did when they had. Uh, <laughs> yeah, probably did. Um, yeah. Yeah, Aaron McLean up front, and um, yeah, they had, they had a good team back then, didn't they? Um, someone put a note in about the Wigan takeover collapsing. I missed. I must have missed that. Yeah, the um, Spanish bid that was in has been ongoing for a couple of weeks now, and they'd, they'd even extended the exclusivity with those potential um, new owners. That's now collapsed, so they're sort of back to square one with apparently more interested parties and. They're now looking at what they do with all the money that the fan, fans have raised to kind of keep the club going. But they're still in a pretty perilous position. And, you know, how long can this go on for before you get into, um, yeah, you know, pretty bad territory? And then you get into the whole, like Bolton we had last season, the sort of the Wigan debate might come up again. But, uh, you know, God forbid that that happens. But it's just something worth noting that's happened this week. Well, fair play for them to for doing Sunderland over. Whilst that's all going on in the background, <laughs> definitely. Like, like I, I would just love to have heard like a Sunderland phone in or something after that <laughs> result. That would have been amazing. Um, <laughs> on like looking forward, then so we've got the the midweek tin pot surprise cup. Um, ben, what are you generally looking to get out of that? Yeah, there's not many places to go with this. But. No, it's purely just game time. Game time for players who are on the fringes. You know, people like Shodders, Hall, mainly Hall, Adji, Sykes, maybe Ford. Give, give players a rest as well. Like you're talking about probably Claire at right back, whilst it's not his best position, it gives Schlong a rest. He can't play every game, Saturday, Tuesday. Rest your Schlong. Got to rest uh, the Schlong. I regret saying that as soon as I said it. <laughs> and and even someone like Alici at left back for Ruffles, just to give him a him a break. I mean, the result seems kind of pretty, relevant. He seems pretty highly rated, um, Alecci. So it'd be it'd be good to see him play, but well, I guess we won't see him play. 
But if I was in Oxford, I would 100% go to this game if I could get a ticket. Yeah. Um, well, not a season ticket holder. For this why wouldn't you go? It's open. So open. It's on general admission now. Is it? So it's not. It's not first come first serve season ticket holders in. I don't think so. No. So if you're not a season ticket holder, this is your only tournament you can Chance. see them yeah. see them at. Really. Yeah. Exactly. Just to get a bit of normality back in your life, I'd absolutely be be going. Um. Yeah, and also, yeah, I, I still think it's a good opportunity to get some of the players' minutes. It'd be good for Moose to, you know, make make sure that if he is going to be back up, he's actually fit. Um, he definitely, KR definitely said he, whilst he was announcing the team for the whole game, he had pretty much announced the team that we're going to play on Tuesday as well. Like I said, so he said, yeah, Hall, Adji, I think Shodders. Um, mentioned Ford and Sykes. He definitely said Sykes would play as well. So I'm guessing yeah. Sykes will start in midfield. Um, his best pal. Ridic- ridiculous um, amount of pressure on one non-important game. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, you expect us to to be fine. Um, and it should yeah, I'll probably be listening and see how we get on. But yeah, what round is this? I don't even know. <laughs> first knockout round. Yeah, I think it might be the first first round after the group group stage. Did Forest Green ever build their wooden vegan stadium? They had it knocked back the first time, I believe, and they are still trying to make it happen. Um, end of sentence. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Um, all right, games that actually matter. Um, Blackpool, so Jack was going to preview this. Jack is not here. Has anyone picked up Jack's notes and is willing to talk about Blackpool? I've I've picked up some of them so I can scurry through and uh, thank God for that. Use Jack's uh, good work. So Blackpool, um, a team we seem to generally play well against. Obviously, we had the good performances last season and and the two one loss just before that. And managed by Neil Critchley, who was Liverpool under twenty three manager, who KR probably knows quite well actually with um with the Woodburn loan signings and when we were sniffing around Neko Williams. So there'll be something there. Um, they made 17 summer signings earlier in the year, including uh, Mr. Garbutt and Mr. Woodburn. Um, who 17? 17, um, which, you know, some of them were, were big big signings. Jerry Yates from, from Rotherham obviously scored a few of our friends at, at Swindon. Um, yeah. So, you know, they, they brought in some, some decent players, Garbutt and Woodburn. Slightly predictably, I, I get the sense, have done NAF all this season, which is... Sort of unsurprised. Garbutt uh, started the season with Ipswich yeah. last, so well last year. Woodburn, I'm not surprised whatsoever. I, I'm going to be really shocked if he has a career anywhere above League One. Like, well, I he will it. score against us on Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> is he start? Is he starting? Tonight? No, he's, he's not. I don't get the sense he's he's really starting either. I mean, Garbutt, I think has played a few games, and Garbutt, too fair in that advanced midfield position. We did see some good stuff from him. Um, they lost their. They lost. They had Armand Nongele, I think it's pronounced, which we had for mm-hmm. very briefly on loan, and he was that player that um, Alex McDonald described as a bit of a wrong and, and got booted out by by Matt, <laughs> which was um, which I've just remembered about. Um, didn't have the best start to the league, sort of two wins in nine, but then the last six they've won five out of six, which in normal times you'd think, oh no, that spells doom for us, but who form is just ridiculous at the moment, but they've beaten Peter away, Pompey at home, um, and they beat Fleetwood. I think that was the score from the last game. Um, so, you know, they're on good form. Um, they've got Gary Medine in their team, who did score in the last game, but we all remember from that fantastic miss after Ruffles back pass oh, yeah. <laughs> in the game last season. Um, but, you know, the, but the thing they've got, they've got some serious firepower. Um, like to play a, Bit of four three three mirroring our system, but also can do a four four two. Um, interesting stat Jack's picked up: forty percent of Blackpool's matches have ended with, with both teams scoring. So, you know, that's, that's something there. Four of their seven wins have been one nil, um, and they've not drawn at home yet either. The, the the fact their last two games they've beaten Pompey one nil and then Fleetwood one nil shows something based on what we said earlier about Pompey's scoring record and then also Fleetwood's firepower like at this level's ridiculous isn't it you yeah. know they're bringing Paddy Madden off the bench still um 
that's that's impressive. What is that derby called? Anything? The two P machine derby? What's it called? <laughs> the filed? Isn't it like fly? I can't say. Oh, it. filed! It is, isn't it? Filed yeah. Coast. Filed derby. Yeah. Huge. The pirate. Man. I don't know what um, AFC right. filed feel about that though. Or yeah, they... true that. Yeah. They've they've got um. I think they've got a bit of cash behind them. AFC filed. Like they've got Jim Jim Bentley who used to be the Morecambe manager. Oh, Went yeah. to them. Manager, or he might have left and been around a bit. But anyway, <laughs> back <laughs> back to Blackpool. So yeah, I mean you you it's another I mean we knew it was a tough one. It was sort of get anything from these two games and we've got to be pretty pleased. Um but what do we think? Predictions after that whole win definitely changes the dynamic, doesn't it? Um Ben, what do you reckon? Well, it's, it's like James said, their form's great, but form, as we've seen, doesn't really mean much. Anybody can beat anybody in this league. Um, and, and if they they could look at us in the table and think, oh, actually, it could be an easy game, which could be very much to their detriment. Uh, my head says one all, um, but, but we'll listen to the heart and we'll say two one away win. Tony? I was thinking one all as well. Um, I mean, we don't keep clean sheets, do we? So um, <laughs> we're definitely conceding one. Uh, but yeah, I'd like to think that we could take a point away, and that would be that would be a decent point. And then we've got, I think, Northampton on the following Tuesday, which at home, which would then I think need to win that. James, yeah, same same type of thing. I, I I do. I'd really want us to start picking up wins somewhere. Um, they're they're still they still didn't have a very particularly good start to the season. Obviously, their form's picked up, but even then, they're still. Um, kind of exactly mid-table, aren't they? Which shows, obviously, yeah, they didn't have a great start and their, their side's maybe still bedding in, maybe a bit like what we've been saying we're doing at the moment. Um, I'm going to say 2-1 uh, to us. Um, I, I, You know, things have started to click. There's a bit of uh, consistency in the lineups that we're picking now. Um, McGuane is looking like a real player that we we hoped he would be. I think I think well I think two one win and I'm going to say McGwain and Taylor to score to make it really specific. Very specific. See, I was I was going to get on board the optimism train as well and say a two one win. I think we've got the same problems we've had most of the season. I think you make a good point, James. They're probably kind of don't know what's going to turn up as well. So I think we can win it, and I'd want to see us win these sort of games because we're getting to the point where we've got to decide what we want to do this season. Really. Not go down. Well, that's, that's what yeah. you want to do. <laughs> it, I haven't accepted that yet. I know, like, I really should have accepted that that that's the aspiration now. But I, I'm not there yet. I still, I still think you go on a run. Um, you're not far off the playoffs. <laughs> it I mean, just feels right, ridiculous. Yeah. One step at a time. Let's just I get know. clear of the relegation zone. Yeah. It's just those results against like Pompey and Hull and those performances just give me that hope. It might be false hope, but I'm still I'm clinging on. Thing is, if we get something from Blackpool and then you just sort of park the Swindon thing, that just didn't happen. It didn't happen. It didn't happen. You look at the, the next five fixtures, you know, you've kind of got to look at all of them and go, sorry, next four fixtures after Blackpool. You've got to go, well, actually, you want to look to win all of them? In all right, I know we're still in the relegation zone, so maybe that's being far too optimistic. But this is where we could really that run could start. Um, yeah, it's it's exactly that. Like the next Tony just mentioned it there, but so we're we're off the back of the horrible run of games. We haven't really done too badly. Again, if we had if we won against Swindon, we were looking really good in terms of form. Um, given the fixtures we had. So let's say we get something against Blackpool. We then got North Northampton at home. Bristol Rovers away, who I think are not... Actually, they beat, they beat Wimbledon 4-2 this weekend, but otherwise they've had a really difficult start to the season. Um, having said that, we never fucking do anything against Bristol Rovers, do we? <laughs> they um, sat their manager, haven't they, and appointed someone new. Um, yeah. I can't, can't remember who they've appointed, though, but... And then Wimbledon and Plymouth, and I keep forgetting Plymouth are in our league, but they are. And it, but those those games definitely, you know, we've got to be looking at like hopefully two, three wins minimum type. Twelve thing points. Those. I want twelve points. Hundred points. <laughs> yeah. 
It'd just be so nice, though, wouldn't it, to have a bit of a bit of a run, a few goals. Um, it'd, be, it'd just be lovely, lovely stuff. Good Christmas present. <laughs> yes, work the Christmas yeah. link in. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we should do a Christmas pod. I don't know what it involves. You all drunk on the last one, which I had to miss. But really, that sounds great. Let's do that. You don't. Yeah. You don't remember it, obviously. We could live Christmas pudding eating. And uh, we could do a Christmas quiz based on December Oxford United matches or something like that. People didn't like the quizzes. We had, Not once did anyone say, I like the quizzes you guys do. So we stopped <laughs> doing them. If, if anyone's missing quizzes, then tell us. And write, and, write one, and write one for us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they took ages. <laughs> if, anyone, if anyone gets this far into this pod, then yeah, give us, um, give us some ideas for a Christmas-themed oxford quiz and we'll do it but anyway i think we come to the end of the pod chaps is there anything exciting anyone wants to get off their chest before we finish and that's a no <laughs> thanks for listening as always cheers guys and we'll catch you again soon